1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC. Network
2: Solutions. Hello, folks. Welcome to Cudlow. I'm Larry Cudlow. Save America, kill the bill. The Senate bill on illegal immigration, that is. And also, we've got a rare apology from Meta Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. We'll have Ted Cruz weigh in on that and more in just a few moments. And then all the economic forecasters and all the economic models in and out of government, top to bottom, have been completely wrong. Kevin Hassett and Art Laffer are going to talk about it and maybe figure out what to do next. Plus, some politics you don't want to miss with our pals Joe Concha and Mark Simone, and then Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary. If all that weren't enough, Kevin O'Leary is going to tell us how to make money. Lots and lots of money. Can't wait. First up, let's head to the White House where our own Hillary Vaughn is standing by. Hillary, what is cooking down there?
0: Hi, Larry. Well, the White House is getting frustrated with Republicans in the House. They think that GOP opposition to some of these leaked details in the border deal could effectively kill the president's strategy to use Congress to address the border crisis. So today, the White House is calling them out for it.
3: I'm going to be very clear here. House Republicans are actually getting in the way. They're not part of the discussion they're not. They're not part of uh, trying to figure out how to come to, to a bipartisan agreement. We would like them to be, but they're deciding not to. And it's on them.
0: Also happening on Capitol Hill today, a big hearing with major tech CEOs from social media companies, Meta, X, TikTok, and Snap. Lawmakers say social media use is killing our children and proliferating a deadly mental health crisis. Republicans and Democrats drilled into these CEOs and even at one point demanded they give an apology to the parents at the hearing whose children are no longer alive.
1: Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? I want
3: no one to go through the things that your families have, have suffered. And this is why we invested so much and are going to continue doing industry big efforts to, uh, to
1: make sure that no one has to go through the types of things that your families have suffered.
0: The White House is rallying behind efforts on Capitol Hill to crack down on social media companies and actually put restrictions in place that would protect children online from exploitation.
3: We think Congress uh, has a, has a has a place here uh, to act uh, to move forward legislation to strengthen protections for child uh, children's privacy. We think that they can do that to protect uh, the health of kids, to protect uh, safety online for children. They can act.
0: And, Larry, while a lot of these platforms have bragged about the accounts that they've taken down, the offending content they've taken down, the big question is, is taking down someone's account enough of a punishment? And the other question is, should these social media companies ultimately be held liable, criminally responsible for what happens on their platforms? Larry?
2: Wow. All right. Well, we'll see where all that leads. Thank you very much, Hillary Vaughn. We appreciate it, as always. Thank you. Now, folks, a couple thoughts from me. I'm going to begin with this. Save America, kill the bill. Save America, kill the bill. I'm talking about the Senate bill on illegal immigration. There's no legislative text yet, but the leaks are telling the story of some kind of trigger system whereby if 8,500 illegals arrive at the border in one day or 5,000 illegals arrive for seven days in a row, somehow Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas are going to, quote, close the border. Really? Really? If they were going to close the border, then they would have already closed the border. But they're not going to close the border. Not now, not in the future, not because of some of unnecessary legislation, because they believe in open borders without any clear national boundaries. One big global community. We're all friends and we don't mind another eight million or so illegals coming into our country. No laws, no rules. That's the Biden vision. Not a very good vision, is it? Speaker Mike Johnson, exactly right when he talks about zero tolerance. But among the many catastrophes linked to the illegal immigration catastrophe is a migrant crime wave that is sweeping the country. Now, I'm quoting from Breitbart's headline, sanctuary cities and their suburbs are experiencing a crime wave from migrants who are released by the Biden administration after illegally crossing the border Between ports of entry, police, particularly in the Chicago area and New York City, they reported significant increases in crime related to migrants relocated to their cities, end quote. So I will say, while Joe Biden isn't personally responsible for every lawless act, you reap what you sow. A pair of New York City police officers allegedly attacked by several migrants near Times Square over the weekend. And incredibly, the suspects were released without bail. Reported migrant-related crime in Chicago and its suburbs mounting daily. Healthcare company Kaiser now telling its Oakland, California employees not to go outside for lunch. Stores closing all over the country because of blatant smash-and-grab theft. Carjackings have become commonplace. Here's a terrible story. A career bureaucrat who worked in President Trump's Commodity Futures Trading Corporation, was carjacked and shot as he pulled up to pick up his wife after work. This is in the middle of downtown Washington, D.C. Fortunately, blessedly, he is alive at this moment. Now, we don't know if migrants were the cause, but Washington has become a lawless sanctuary city, an absolute disgrace to the entire country. Big-city Democratic mayors and blue state governors are now complaining bitterly about the illegal migration problem. Of course, they want more money to solve it. But there is a much simpler approach. Just close the border now. Build Trump's wall. Go back to Trump's remain in Mexico. A tough policy on catch and deport. And then, and then... Start backing the long blue line of dedicated cops throughout this country. Stop burdening them with massive paperwork like New York City. Stop criticizing them publicly. Start putting law and order back into our political vocabulary. Doesn't matter what the trigger is, 5,000, 8,000, whatever thousand... If Joe Biden were going to close the border, he would have already closed the border. And if Joe Biden were going to back America's great police forces, he would have already backed America's great police forces. So I conclude, save America, retire Joe Biden. And that is my riff. Now, for more on all this, we bring back our great friend, Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Thank you, Mr. Cruz. We appreciate it. Um, Look, I know your position on this uh, Senate legislation. But again, I I just say this. I don't want triggers. I want I just want a successful campaign, as you probably do. Remain in Mexico, build the wall, catch and deport. This whole story here. What do we need more legislation for? And it isn't going to be any good. And, you know, you know that Joe Joe Biden and Alejandra Mayorkas will not close the border. I don't care if it's 5,000 or 8,000 or whatever thousand. You know this, Senator. That's why this is such an exercise in futility. I'm sorry. I, you're here as the guest. You talk, please. I'm, I'm too excited.
4: Look, uh, listen, Larry, you're exactly right. Every word of of, of your opening remarks were exactly Thank right. You. One of these days you're going to say something I disagree with, but, but it hadn't <laughs> happened yet. Um, Thank you, sir. Uh, look, y- y- you focused on how this crisis happened. Joe Biden inherited incredible success. He inherited the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. And Joe Biden deliberately caused this crisis. And you put your finger on the three decisions he made all in his very first week in office that caused this crisis. He immediately halted construction of the border wall. He reinstated the disastrous policy of catch and release and he ended the incredibly successful Remain in Mexico agreement. And that took the lowest rate of illegal immigration, and it caused it to explode. We now have the highest rate in history. 9.6 million illegal immigrants have come into this country. And Joe Biden wants it. It's deliberate. He could fix it tomorrow if he reversed those three decisions. He's not willing to. And I got to say, you're also right on killing this bill. Look, we had a vigorous debate at lunch with Senate Republicans, I stood up and I urged my colleagues, I said, look, this is going nowhere. In order for any bill to pass, it's got to pass both houses of Congress. The Speaker of the House has said this Senate bill is dead on arrival. It has no chance of passing. And so I asked my Republican colleagues, why are are you putting forward a bill that doesn't fix the problem, doesn't secure the border, but that gives Democrats an excuse to do what you just played Kareem Jean-Pierre doing, saying, oh, well, we would fix the border, but the Republicans didn't pass our bill that would never have fixed the border. It is ridiculous. It is playing into Chuck Schumer's hands. And I think we need to demand fix it, solve it. And I'll tell you, there's only one way we're going to solve it, and that is to throw Joe Biden out of office to elect Donald Trump in November. And we know that President Trump solve this problem before he'll do it again i worked hand in hand with him when he was president the first time and i'll work hand in hand and again with him again to fix it again
2: yeah he will start day one center and and by the way yes your, your collaboration with president trump both then and now is a very welcome development and everybody will benefit from that senator cruz let me just i, I just want to clear the decks on this terrible immigration story and the lawlessness that goes along with it I just want to note this. It is now four days, roughly 96 hours, since the Iraqi-backed militants attacked uh, the U.S. base in Jordan. And three troops were killed. And I don't know, countless, several dozen, almost 40 or so, were injured. It's four days, Santa Cruz. So far... We have heard nothing from the White House on what they're going to do. And maybe more importantly, we have seen them do nothing. No actions have occurred. They should have taken action inside of 24 or 48 hours. Yes. Military man after military man came on this network, Fox News, Fox Business and said, you know, maximum two to three days. We have not struck back yet. I see dithering. I see us sending the wrong message four days uh, after these three military troops reservists from Georgia have been killed and countless others have been injured. This is an outrage, Senator Cruz. This is an absolute outrage. Yeah, it,
4: it absolutely is. Joe Biden is a weak commander in chief. He is unwilling and unable to stand up to our enemies And the result is every serviceman and woman in America defending America is at greater risk. We've seen servicemen and women killed, whether the three that were killed by Iranian proxies or whether the 13 who were killed in Afghanistan with Biden's disastrous withdrawal and surrender there. We've seen Joe Biden's weakness. And to be clear, Iran has launched 170 attacks on U.S. forces with Joe Biden as president. And Biden has dithered and done nothing. Not only that, he's not just dithered and done nothing. He has funded the regime that is attacking and murdering Americans. Under Joe Biden, this administration has flowed over $100 billion to the Ayatollah who chants, «Death to America» and weakness is provocative. Our enemies are stronger. And to give you an example of it, look, Joe Biden inherited peace and prosperity across the globe. Every region of the world is worse. Every enemy of America is stronger, and America is at greater risk. And to give you an example of that, so Iran is stronger, China is stronger, North Korea is stronger, Venezuela is stronger, Putin is stronger in Russia. And just last week, what did Joe Biden do? He, he announced what I call the Vladimir Putin subsidy from Joe Biden, mm. which is he blocked future exports of liquid natural gas, mm. which means Europe yeah. has to buy from Russia instead of from America. It hurts jobs here and it helps Putin. But this is an example of just, Biden's weakness and how it makes it more there. dangerous.
2: I was just going there. One area that uh, Biden has not dithered on was putting a pause or a hold on any new LNG installations, which we desperately need, which damages, not only damages our uh, domestic economy and its security, it damages our national security. Now, interestingly, Senator, there was no dithering on that. He just came right out with it and made no bones about it and broadcast it to the world. Not what we're going to do to the Iranian-backed militants or to Iran. Not yep. what we're going to do to close the border. But, oh, gee whiz, golly, the most important thing, let's stop LNG, which is such a boon to our economy, to our jobs, to lower energy prices, and to our national security. So, as you say, we can stop backing Russia uh, and Iran on those things. It's just remarkable to me how mistaken their priorities yeah. were. Last one. You were in the hearing today, I believe, um, Zuckerberg Meta. Yes. He apologized and so forth. What do, you, what, what do you make of that? Is anything going to change?
4: Look, I think big tech does enormous damage to this country. This hearing was focused on the damage to kids. and I will say as the father of two teenage girls, it, it is horrifying the garbage that gets shoveled to our kid. Every parent I know is worried about the garbage that is being sent to our kids. And, and you know I, I asked Mark Zuckerberg, I put up for example, a screen that they had come up on Instagram that said, you are searching for child pornography. Would you like to proceed to the results or not? And I asked him, what in the hell are you doing Mm. encouraging, facilitating pedophiles and people that are seeking out child pornography? And big tech, unfortunately, they keep making the decision to put profits above the welfare of our kids. I think we need to do a lot more to protect our kids online.
2: Well, I don't, you know, I agree with you. And and somehow there have to be guardrails here. I I don't want to destroy our tech companies, because I'd rather we still had these American tech companies and that they're not Chinese. But the other thing I just want to ask you about, this is a vexing problem. We just have a minute. We took this up in the Trump administration, what to do about TikTok, you know, and ByteDance... In China's communist-run company, there's massive yes. evidence that all the personal information flows right back into Beijing and so forth. And I, I for the, I know millions and millions of kids look at the darn thing. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, we're just helping the CCP. We're not helping our kids. We're helping the CCP. I'll give you a last thought on that.
4: Well, you're exactly right. One of the people testifying was the CEO of TikTok, and I asked him exactly that. He, number one, confirmed ByteDance, the parent of TikTok, is governed by and subject to the Chinese intelligence law that requires them to obey the Chinese communist government, that requires them to lie about it. And I also pointed out why is it that TikTok gives Chinese kids math and science videos and educational videos and limits the time they can be on. Mm. And yet American kids, it's, it's feeding garbage and, and, and self-harm and suicide and substance abuse and pro-Hamas propaganda. They are deliberately undermining the, the children of America. I think it's dangerous.
2: Yeah, you're right. We've got to figure out a way to go after that. Anyway, great Senator Ted Cruz. Thank you, sir. It's a great pleasure to see you. Thank you, Larry. You bet. All right, folks, coming up here on (laughs) Cudlow, this is interesting, tongue-in-cheek, but it's a serious matter. All the economic forecasters, Federal Reserve, Congressional Budget Office, uh, Wall Street Journal survey, blah, 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 all the forecasters and all the economic models have been wrong. That's all. Almost no one expected a strong 2023 or at least a strong second half of 2023. No one. So the question is, what are we going to do about it? And the answer is we're going to talk to Kevin Hassett and Art Laffer. All that when Cudlow returns. I'm sure you can hardly hold your breath, but the, well, the models have to be fixed. I'm as guilty as anybody. We'll be right back.
5: At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder.
2: All right, welcome back, folks. We are a business show, and the Dow Jones uh, last half hour, 40 minutes, fell over 300 points probably after the Fed signaled a March rate cut. Actually, uh, an un- unlikely rate cut, I should say. They may not cut rates in my lifetime, but let's turn to the expert for more. Box Business, Jerry Willis. Jerry, what you got?
6: Well, stock selling off, as you say, after the Federal Reserve left. Rates unchanged, exactly what the market predicted. But the Dow ending down 317 points, he had some pee off by 79 the Nasdaq falling 345. Now, though the move was expected, it was what Federal Federal Reserve Chair Jay Powell said afterward that sparked the sell-off. He said the Fed was not ready to reduce rates until there was greater confidence that inflation was moving sustainably toward the central bank's 2 percent target. Now, in recent weeks, the markets have priced in as many as seven rate cuts for the year. So you can see the problem there. Also hurting the Nasdaq and the S&P 500, disappointing tech earnings, as we've been talking about. Google and Microsoft, for example, plunging on mounting costs for artificial intelligence. Larry.
2: That's terrific. Thank you, Jerry Wills. We appreciate it very, very much. All right, folks, uh, let's just jump right in. We got Kevin Hassett, former chair of the Council of Economic Advisors during the Trump administration, distinguished fellow at the Hoover Institution and author of The Drift, Stopping America's Slide to Socialism. And our laugher, former Reagan advisor and presidential medal of freedom recipient and author of taxes have consequences. Uh, I will begin with my uh, dear friend, uh, Kevin Hassett. We've talked, we, we've we kivitzed a little bit about this, but let, I'm going to put the Fed thing aside. There's no reason for the Fed to cut interest rates now. I don't know what the market was thinking. Look, more interestingly, maybe more importantly, from top to bottom, Federal Reserve economists, CBO, Wall Street Journal survey, Philadelphia Fed Survey of Professional Forecasters, nobody got 2023 right, and nobody expected a 3% plus growth rate in the second half of 2023. This is after 550 basis points of interest rate hikes. This is after the Fed is pulling back on bank reserves and the monetary base and the money supply. We were supposed to have had either a big slowdown or a recession. Exactly the opposite happened. All right. I'm not even looking at this left versus right. This is something for the economics profession to sort through. Kevin Hassett, former CEA chair. I mean, everybody got it wrong. And by the way, I'll raise my hand. I said either a big slowdown or recession. I was wrong. That's all there is to it. Now, Kevin, what the heck happens next?
1: Well, I'm thinking about what happened 30 years ago. Because, you know, the problem with economics, right, is you look at the past data and then you assume that the data generating process for the past works going forward. But what happened 30 years ago, just about exactly 30 years ago, was Netscape introduced this web browser thing mm. it, and it was 1995 and the web browser thing made it so that the internet could suddenly revolutionize America and what happened next was the economy kept surprising on the upside but there were 5 years in a row where the average return on the S&P 500 was about 30% and i'm beginning to think that the artificial intelligence revolution is going to have the same kind of impact that the internet did and there's a really interesting interview by Eric Brynjolfsson my colleague at Stanford in the FT today that talks about his estimate of productivity he says that he's and he's the guy who knows this ai stuff the best he thinks productivity might go up three percent a year over the next five years or so because of ai and i think that that could be what's going on there's the surprising productivity from ai and he has some specific case studies i'll finish uh where he shows that within a month or two of using ai firms are seeing 10 20 productivity increases it's something i've not seen in my lifetime
2: well you know it's interesting I- i'm going to give some credit where credit is due I follow Ed Yardeni. I mean I follow a lot of people. Ed Hyman's a very dear friend, (laughs) Yardeni. But Yardeni really was in the soft landing camp or the no landing camp. And he does cite, um, I don't know if he he probably talks about AI, but he does cite about a pickup in productivity. But Art Laffer, let me come to you. I don't think that would explain all of this incongruity that all the forecasters were wrong. Monetrists are wrong, Keynesians are wrong. Phillips curvers are wrong. You know, you had huge Fed tightening by any yardstick. And what happened? The economy got stronger. OK, 2023 was a very good year. 2022 was not a very good year. Uh, in fact, the first half of 22 were uh, negative GDPs. So inflation comes down, the economy goes up, the Fed's tightening doesn't seem to have mattered, Arthur. What happens here? Why? How are adjustments going to be made? Or maybe nobody should listen to economic forecasters anymore.
5: Well, I'd rather watch a weatherman myself, Larry, but no, but seriously, before you get into the balloons, the streamers and the party horns, I mean, this economy is not a great economy. It really isn't. Yes, we had nice growth this last year. Yes, inflation did come down, but the stock market today is at the same level in real terms. As it was in March of 21, uh, the participation rate is 62.5%, which is really, really low. I mean, it was like 67% when Clinton led office, left office. Our GDP growth is not caught up. Uh, to what it was pre pandemic and the worst one of all life expectancy is down about three years, which is really bad when you 're eighty three like I am I mean I really count on that life expectancy not going down. I want it up, but I mean, look at this economy is not in good shape it really isn 't The only thing that 's really doing well is immigration, and it 's hitting new highs every day. I mean you can we must be attracting people really well with our economy. No, seriously, this is not a great economy. 3.1% growth, given the pandemic and given what had happened, is not great. Now, I, didn't th- I don't do the forecasting like you guys do, and I'm, I probably would be worse than any of you. But, uh, but it's really a secular problem we have here in the U.S., and that secular problem is not improving. And that's why everyone, and I mean literally everyone, look at median household income
2: if you want to see something terrible. Well, let me I mean, raise What that. you guys
5: did in the Trump administration, it went way up and then came
2: way back down again. Yeah, let me raise, I mean, it look, there is still an affordability crisis. Uh, we looked at it again. Real average weekly earnings uh, since Biden's been president down four and a half percent, actually fallen four and a half percent, a little more, I think, 4.6 percent. Um, uh, tip, which is the most accurate poll, Issues and Insights tip poll. Um, let's see. Nearly two thirds of people say they live paycheck to paycheck. OK, below $70,000, 68 percent, even make them more than $70,000. Let's see. Forty four percent either have zero or less, zero or less than one thousand bucks in their bank account. In other words, nobody's got anything uh, in the way of emergency savings. So they live in paycheck to paycheck. Twenty four percent have zero in the bank. And of course, real wages are falling. So I know it's not great. But, you know, Kevin has said I I do think the economics profession We're going to get John Taylor on, uh, one of the deans of the profession. The profession needs to look in the mirror and figure it out. I mean, it's got to—there has to be an explanation. And I'm not being partisan— uh, I know lefty bloggers are on my case because I thought the economy would be sluggish or recession. And then I admitted that it was strong and they got on my case for admitting it. I don't care. I'm in the, I'm a business host. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is, I'm not interested in left versus right. I'm interested, Kevin. And, in, you know, the last uh, few seconds here, what went wrong?
1: Right. Well, I think that what happened, you know, 30 years ago was that we had all this data where there wasn't an Internet. And then all of a sudden we kept getting surprised on the upside. I agree with Art that there's a lot of bad looking data out there. But I think that we're going to keep getting surprised on the upside because the productivity boom that Eric Bridgelson sees coming yeah. is is starting
2: to be palpable right. in the
1: data. And that's right. what I think
2: it is. We'll leave it there. Pray for productivity. No problem. Art Laffer, Kevin Hassett and the economics forecasting profession. <laughs> bye bye. Anyway, coming up next, the Biden border catastrophe, the Biden crime wave. Why is the guy running again? You know, we got Joe Concha and Mark Simone to try to explain it to us. All that when Kudlow returns it. Even the stock market's turning down now. Not good. Give me the power. I've asked for the very day I got it off. Give me the border. Patrol. Give me the people. Give me the people to judge. Give me the people who can stop this and make it work. Right. Yeah, well, sorry, Joe, if you did all you could do, you would have closed the border already and you would have stopped the crime wave and a lot of other problems as well. Anyway, let's talk. We have Joe Concha media and politics columnist for The Messenger and Fox News contributor, and Mark Simone, W.O.R. Hall of Fame radio show host every day from 10 to noon. Yes. Thank you. Don't get that right. Uh, Mark Simone, why is Joe Biden running? He can't seem to do anything right. Seriously.
7: I wouldn't call that running. I'd call it uh, hobbling, crawling. He. Uh, <laughs> You know, he just just lies all the time. Just give me the power over the border. There's 17 places in the Constitution to give him absolute power over the border. Uh, And that border patrol agent is one of the big lies. He, besides all the other things, took the border patrol agents and now have them in processing centers just doing processing. He wants more border agents to increase the processing. Put them back on the border patrolling. Uh, This is an absolute mess. They used to say it's the economy, stupid. Everybody's saying now it's the border,
2: stupid. Can I just follow through on this, Joe? Be mm-hmm. with you in a sec, Blue. Sure, you. take your time. Um, I want to. We have some tape of this horrible New York Police Department. NY, two NYPD guys mugged or whatever. Look at this. By these are illegals, and and if this weren't bad enough, instead of standing up for it, nobody stood up for these cops. So far as I know, the mayor hasn't said a word about this. But they were released. On their own reconnaissance right after. the Yes. bad I don't even I'm sure they were charged with a felony, I think. But they were released right right away. I don't think there was any bail set. They were just released. Now, this is the worst part of this story. And it's in New York. It's in Long Island. It's in Chicago. It's in Chicago suburbs. It's in California, all these sanctuary states. I just want to put this up there because this has become a law and order and no one's backing the long blue line. This goes back to, a, you know, a couple years ago and everybody was attacking the cop. No one is backing the long blue line the way they should. No, you got uh, in Chicago, 40
7: people have formed a gang robbing stores in New York. They've identified 100 migrants who have formed a pickpocket operation, Mm. a tough skill to learn. You've got stuff like this going on. Uh, One report I just saw, five people a day are killed by illegals in the United States. That's a lot of people. Uh, And again, they're being released there. We have these crazy district attorneys. We've got one in New York put in there by George Soros. The governor won't remove him. We've got 26 of those in the United States put in by George Soros. Bad DAs.
2: Joe, um, you know, I said at the top of the show in the riff, I said, you know, we have got to put law and order policing back into our political vocabulary. Mm -hmm. It has been taken out. Now, I can't, you know, Joe Biden is not responsible for every individual crime, but you reap what you sow and the border is what he sowed. He sewed it in 2019 during a primary debate
3: where he urged illegals to surge the border. That's an exact quote. And that was the cue. And that's when they started coming in. As far as the president saying, Congress needs to act. Congress needs to give me the tools to stop this. At last check, Nancy Pelosi was in charge of the House for the first two years of this president's presidency. They also controlled the Senate. They could have passed whatever they wanted to then. And they didn't because this is all intentional. The bottom line is that Joe Joe Biden is polling at 18 percent approval ABC News poll on the border. It's a number one issue. Yeah. You tell me why that matters. Well, in swing states, there's a poll out today from Morning Consult. You have Joe Biden trailing in Georgia, Arizona, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. If he loses all those states, you're talking about a Reagan-esque type of landslide.
2: Right. Right. It's incredible. Um, speaking of landslides, uh, another subject. So Nikki Haley, our friend Nikki Haley, had fundraisers in New York City, and she raised about a million and a half bucks, which is really a drop in the bucket. Meanwhile, very interesting report today uh, on another network's news. But um, Paul Singer, huge political giver, and he brings with him a big crowd of donors. They did not start with Trump. But Trump's campaign manager, Susie Wiles, spoke to them, and they are now moving in Trump's direction. So this is a big turn of events. The donors are really not shelling out for Nikki, and they're getting ready to shell out for Trump.
7: Well, that's the thing about these donors. They will back you like crazy till they see which way the wind's blowing. Uh, Tomorrow night, there's an event at Mar-a-Lago where a lot of them will be showing up, those donors, to worm their way back into Mm -hmm. Trump world. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one thing about those donors, they always back the wrong person and they always desert them before anybody else. They're wonderful people.
2: What's the story? Uh, Nikki Haley's going to get blown out in South Carolina and then she pulls out four or five touchdowns yes yeah, sort of 28 35 points that
3: Whoa. that sort of uh, tally that we're seeing right now because you know, Trump has the endorsements of the sitting governor both sitting senators popular republicans like Nancy Mace so the, the headwinds against Nikki Haley, who seems to have lost any sort of momentum she may have had going into New Hampshire a little bit because she still lost by double digits. So she's out. And then we're going to have the longest. I think you made this point once, Mark. Uh, yeah. The longest general election season of all time. No Super Tuesday. None of the fun. We go right to Biden versus Trump. And what then all the do? speculation around if Biden
2: will be the nominee. What, what will we do, it'll be horrible. It shakes. Talk business. But, but yeah, in a pinch, we could be a business show. Sure. Uh, but I know you want to talk vice president. President. Yeah. Now, the conventional wisdom here, political science textbooks and all the rest, the beep candidate doesn't really matter. Now, you think this year is going to be different. It is going to really matter. Tell us why. Because Donald Trump, if he wins, will be a one term president. Yeah.
3: So two years after November 2024, that election cycle starts who's the front-runner. It's almost always the vice president in this situation. So who he chooses here very well could be the 48th president. On the Democratic side, your vice president is currently Kamala Harris, Mm -hmm. where 22 percent of independents, basically one in five, could see her taking the reins as president right now. That is a horrible number. There is no confidence in her whatsoever. So on Trump's side, who he decides to pick could very well be the next president. And on the other side, if Joe Biden, if for whatever reason he decides he just doesn't want to be president anymore, then Kamala Harris is your president, and that's something that Donald Trump should be driving home on a daily basis, that that is the alternative right now.
7: Mark, 30 seconds on this. Yeah, 30 they, say, seconds. they say a vice president won't get you any votes, but it can lose your votes, and that's Kamala Harris. Trump needs a, a black candidate, a woman,
2: something like that. I like Byron Donalds. A fundraiser? Byron Donalds. Yeah, Sarah Huckabee. I, but no one, you don't care about someone who's qualified to be president. Uh, that's a trick
7: question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay, okay. You can't, you can't take a legislator, Sarah Huckabee, a governor. Not a lot of
2: experience, but a governor. Tim Scott. Money. I'm going to give you another shot. It's a bidding contest. Uh, just watching the clock up. I got, it's 44. I've got to get out. I'd so. say Vavake, but not ready. He's going to go to the cabinet. All right. We will wait and see. I'm me, I'm keeping. Oh, I hope it's not you. No, it's not going to be oh, me. Yeah. I'm just keeping my thoughts to <laughs> myself right now. Mark Simone. Right. Joe What's the name of the new book? progressively worse i just love that
3: progress today's worse. democrats are not your daddy's donkeys
2: mr wonderful kevin o'leary he's coming up next he's going to teach us how to make money lots and lots of money because we're a business show and he's a real smart guy we're going to need to make some money we've got to get through the next nine or ten months folks it's not going to be easy i'm kudlow we'll be right back So go figure, a Delaware judge is voiding Elon Musk's $56 billion payday. Well, our own Lydia Hu is here with the details. Lydia, thank you.
6: You're welcome, Larry. My pleasure. It was an unusual decision and some unusual quotes from the judge. She quoted from Star Wars in her decision saying that her decision dares to boldly go where no man has gone before. She decided Elon Musk's compensation package, which she notes, is the, quote, largest potential compensation package ever observed in public markets, she says was unfair to shareholders. Musk Pay was established back in 2018, and it provides him no cash and offers instead stock options each time the company hit a series of escalating operational and financial goals. Now, when the package was approved, Tesla was valued at less than 60 billion dollars to reach all the goals. The company needed to hit a market capitalization of six hundred and fifty billion dollars, Larry, which it did in twenty twenty two. But one shareholder owning just nine shares challenged the package, claiming the goals were easier to achieve than the company disclosed. The shareholder also alleged that Musk exerted too much control over the compensation decision through board members with whom he maintained close relationships. Tesla defended the compensation package, saying it incentivized Musk to invest his attention into the company and grow the business. And that growth, they say, delivered value to the shareholders. Take a look at this. In just the past five years, the share price up well over 800 percent. But, uh, here's a take from entrepreneur and former GOP presidential candidate, Vivek Ramaswamy.
3: So I'm hopeful that the Delaware Supreme Court overturns this. Not for Elon's sake. Elon's going to be fine either way, but for the sake of capitalism and for the sake of future boards that are then able to at least make the right decision instead of behaving like a bunch of government bureaucrats.
6: I reached out to Tesla and attorneys for Elon Musk did not immediately hear back, but Larry, Reasonable to expect that there will be an appeal here.
2: Yeah, you know what? I think Vivek's got it right. Anyway, Lydia who? thank you for a great report. We appreciate it. All right, folks, let's bring in Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary, chairman, O'Leary Ventures and Shark Tank Investors and author of Cold Hard Truths on Business, Money and Life. Kevin, a quick thought. I mean, uh, Elon Musk met all his targets, right? He doesn't get a salary. And why are judges telling the board or the corporation what to do. That's a matter of corporate governance. And I think Vivek is right. You're going to throw capitalism out the window if you let a lot of judicial bureaucrats run the show. What do you think?
8: I actually agree. I think this should go to the Supreme Court and be challenged. Um, Remember, shareholders made an 800x on this. They agreed to this package in the first place. He's proven himself to be an extraordinary individual. Yes, he's controversial. But you think about what this man has achieved in his early career to mid-career now. No one's done what he's done, no matter what he pursues, whether it's the Tesla robot that's new now or brain implants or SpaceX or all he's done in space with Internet connectivity for the globe. I mean, why, why would you want to judge a single individual to decide what that's worth to society and shareholders? I mean, that is everything that's wrong with bureaucracy so i hope it does get challenged it's not about the money he's extremely rich already yeah. you want to align yourself with shareholders that's all he's done he said don't give me cash give me no cash i will grow the business i will make money when you make money that is the essence of capitalism and we should applaud it support it protect it
2: spot on kevin o'leary spot on Um, stock market sold off this afternoon. The Federal Reserve says no to the market. You're not going to have six or seven rate cuts. In fact, there may not be any rate cuts. That's a possibility. Everybody's hanging on your every word. They want to make money, Kevin O'Leary. What should folks do? Well, the market
8: turned on a specific answer to a question about rate cuts in March. Powell made it certain, saying no chance. That's not going to happen. And so, you know, if you're in the camp that sees a minimum of three rate cuts, you're going to have the same policy right now past March, probably into the summer. And that was the disappointment. Market's been still buoyant, but everybody's starting to realize, hanging off every word he has, that March is not in the cards for 25 or 50 bits. It's just not going to happen, Larry. So, and I tell everybody, get over it. This is an interesting time. It's election cycle. There's going to be a lot of volatility. And Powell's pretty happy with what he's achieved so far, which is basically a soft landing to date.
2: I know. All the forecasters were wrong, myself included. It is. It's actually not even a landing. It's a strong economy and profits are going up. There's no reason for the Fed to cut rates. I've got 15 seconds. Stay in the market. Is that your advice?
8: Yes, but start looking at states, new states. I just did a tour of the competitive states. I started in Oklahoma, oh. North Dakota, and now, see the pin?
2: West Virginia. When's the last Whoa. time I went to West Virginia, Larry? I'm going to go with you. West Virginia. It's closer than yeah. North Dakota. All right, we're going to go have a road trip. Kevin O'Leary, the best of the best. Folks, I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back with my last word. Thank you, Kevin. So illegal immigration and waves of lawlessness, sorry to say it, but they are closely related. Save America, kill the bill, and stay up late. I'm
1: Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen
4: live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.